You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday, final podcast for the week, buying something crazy happening immediately in free agency. I think hopefully, at least when it comes to the Pelicans, we'll be okay with that. This is going to be starting Saturday at midnight, so midnight of the first, really, so Sunday morning, whatever you want to call it. Free agency is going to be upon us, and teams can talk to other players. So, this means we've got to do the free agency edition of Locked On Pelicans. I've got names for all the positions and who the Pelicans might go after, who makes sense, who can they reasonably afford. We've gone over all the other stuff. Now it's time to talk some names. So we're going to do this over three parts by position, and it's going to be kind of in order of position of need. We're going to look at bigs and the front court first. Then we're going to look at the back court, the guards, and, and that depth right there alongside, you can hear me like ruffling my pages of notes. And then finally, we'll talk about wings. Yeah, wings is obviously the most important need for the Pelicans. So that's where we're going to take the majority of our time. We'll save that for last. So we got a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's just dive right on into everything. So look, the obvious big thing with the Pelicans is DeMarcus Cousins or not DeMarcus Cousins, but I think we all kind of assume they're going to try to bring him back. And what it sounds like from what I've been told is they want a two-year deal and they're not really budging from that. And I've told you guys in recent days, I think they might be willing to let him walk if the price gets too high after, you know, you look at it in their salary cap situation just makes more sense than to really overpay him and put them in such a bad salary cap position. So I don't think they're scared to let him walk given how well the team played, but they'll bring him back the price is right how firm they're going to be right now seems to be very firm but they haven't really started the negotiations and they don't know what else is on the table for him so that might change that all being said we're going to kind of approach this podcast as if they're we're assuming they're re-signing him and then they have access to the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception of 8.5 8.6 million dollars uh per season so that's kind of what we're going to be assuming for all of this because otherwise we get into different territory and then we can go a million different ways we don't need to do that so Front court, assuming they re-sign Cousins, and of course it's going to be heavily dependent on what he does, you know, they don't really have a ton of need up there with, with other bigs. You have DeMarcus Cousins, you have Anthony Davis, you have Nikola Mirotic, you have uh, Czech Diallo. That's really going to be your front court, maybe a Mecca Okafor if you need a fourth or fifth big. But say they don't like uh, Okafor, they don't really trust Diallo yet, and there's no, he's shown flashes here, but nothing really consistent, and I don't think we trust him either. There are a number of guys they're going to want to look at, and all of these are going to be kind of cheap options, guys that might fit into the biannual exception or who are going to come in on a veteran minimum deal. 
So nothing too exciting here. The the big name that I think maybe they go after is a guy like Ed Davis. We know him as a strong rebounder, kind of an energy guy off the bench. Does a lot of just kind of the dirty work for you. But he's got a limited offensive skill set. However, he's not making much in Portland. I don't know if he's really going to be out there for a whole lot more. And he's always kind of been what we think is underpaid for his career. But maybe there's a reason for that. So again, that's a guy that could slot right into the biannual exception of $3.3 million. Kylo Quinn, recently of the New York Knicks, is another one of them. He's a a decent enough shooter to space the court, say for Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins if he's out there. Again, very limited offensively, not the best rebounder either. But if you need a cheap backup big that's going to play five to 10 minutes per game at the most, I think you could do worse than him. You know, there, there's the other option of Greg Monroe, who was interested in joining the Pelicans after his buyout from what, the Suns? Milwaukee, wherever. It was Suns in the trade. And they bought him out. He didn't really stay there. Uh, he went to the Celtics instead. He didn't play particularly well for them, to be honest. But he probably could come in on a vet minimum deal or the biannual exception as well. Big body, a local guy. He fits a lot of what kind of DeMarcus Cousins would do if DeMarcus Cousins didn't shoot threes, which, again, kind of having that skill replacement, skill for skill, guy for guy, can be a very useful thing. So I think he's going to be on the table too. I don't know if Boston really wants to bring him back. Again, he did not play very well there. The real option that I kind of like that maybe is going to be attainable on the mid-level, not mid-level, biannual exception, would be Mike Scott, the center from the Washington Wizards. This is a guy who averaged 8.8 .8 points per game last season. He's a decent shooter, shot 40.5% from deep, not on tons of attempts or anything like that. But hey, he can hit some three-point shots on occasion, and he should be cheap. This is a guy who, if given some more minutes, maybe plays really well. But again, you need a guy who can space the court. You need a space big out there. Mike Scott would do it. He's going to come cheap. He's been kind of one of those third or fourth bigs his whole career. He just kind of slots in here to New Orleans really well. And that's maybe the direction I see them going, you know, if they decide they want to add someone else. There's a guy you could take a chance on, and that's Alex Len from the Phoenix Suns. He never really developed like the Suns wanted him to after taking him high in the draft lottery a number of years ago. But he did average 8.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game. And that's not bad for a backup player. I think he's going to want more minutes than the Pelicans would provide. I also think he's, of the guys mentioned here, the one that maybe you would need to dip into the mid-level exception to uh, sign. Because, again, he's a young guy that shows maybe some potential. And you can see a team overpaying for that potential just a little bit. So those are kind of the names out there. Mike Scott, Ed Davis, Kyle Quinn, all going to be options. But this isn't really a position of need for the Pelicans under the assumption that they re-sign DeMarcus Cousins. If they don't, yeah, maybe these guys get a little bit more of a look. Maybe then you look to bring in Alex Len because you'll have more minutes to give him, different things like that. So we'll find out what happens kind of early on if we have an idea of what ends up occurring with DeMarcus Cousins early in free agency. So before we get to the backcourt of the Pelicans, rumors are starting to fly, and you guys have heard me say this before in almost every podcast, and I'm going to say it again. Make sure you tune in to Locked On NBA. We got guys on there to break down everything you need to know. Things are going to fly so quickly next week, it's going to be tough to keep up. Listen to the one podcast that's going to recap it for you on a daily basis. And of course, I'm on there every Wednesday. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA. 
So the backcourt. Now, this kind of does overlap a little bit with the wing position, so we'll kind of maybe touch on those guys in the next thing. But look, the Pelicans still want kind of that third point guard to get out on the court and kind of maybe settle down that second unit a little bit if someone gets in foul trouble to get more minutes, different things like that. And this is why they drafted Tony Carr with the 51st overall pick out of Penn State. They want to try and solidify this position, and you've seen them cycle through a lot of guys over the past couple of years since Tim Frazier, who's conceivably a available, um, you know, was traded away. So Charles Cook was their two-way player last year. They decided not to tender him an offer. This makes, uh, is no surprise. It makes a ton of sense. I wouldn't be shocked if New Orleans tries to bring him back on a two-way deal if no one else really signs him. We'll see if he wants to do that. The name that everyone's going to be bringing up, and it's not because he's good, it's Alfred Payton, the hair man here. And he's not good. Look, he was traded for just a second-round pick in Phoenix, looked good for like one or two games, and then was terrible. And I think we've seen this is just not a very good NBA player, and it's unfortunate because he's um, local. He went to ULL or UL, whatever Lafayette's calling them themselves. And we all want him to succeed. Hell, this guy had one of the Fleur de B tattoos and had to kind of change it once they <laughs> renamed to the Pelicans. So I think... That this is a guy we all wanted to see really well, has shown flashes on everything, but it unfortunately just hasn't worked out. He's not a great shooter. He doesn't finish at the rim really well. He doesn't make necessarily the right passes, different things. So that's why he's going to get brought up because of the local guy, because he's a named guy and he went in the first round. But ultimately, yeah, maybe they bring him in on a veteran minimum deal, but I don't see that happening until the very end of free agency. So I don't think that's going to be a guy that they're going to go after right away because I don't think he's really going to solidify that role. Seth Curry is the name now that a lot of people are seeing because of Woj tweeting out that after missing all of last season with a broken left tibia, he's back and doing basketball activities. This is a guy who was a summer league veteran with the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, missed all of last year. But in the 2016-2017 season, averaged 12.8 points per game and could be a nice little scoring two guard. It's not his brother, but he did shoot 42.5% from deep. Defense is suspect. You know, is he the best passer? No, but if you want to get a little bit more depth in the backcourt, a guy who can drive, kick, and create, you could do worse than Seth Curry. So I think that's maybe a guy that they're going to look at too. Should Rondo leave or the Pelicans get thrown into a bit of disarray, that's where things get a little bit more interesting because then a name that I really like is Fred Van Vliet from the Toronto Raptors. He's going to attract a lot of activity, I believe, in this free agent class. And you have to figure a team like the Phoenix Suns, who really want to add a point guard to them, might make a move for the Toronto backup. But Van Vliet, who hasn't been in the league very long, really does look like a very good NBA player. He's a little bit undersized. He's just six foot, not what you want. But last season did average 8.6 points per game and 3.2 assists. Uh, and he did this while making 41.4% of his three-pointers. So he kind of does everything you want. He's a kind of efficient guy. Defensively, again, a little bit suspect. But offensively, he's a guy that can drive and score too, other than just shooting threes. You're likely going to need to spend the whole mid-level exception to get him, that $8.5, $8.6 million. So that's a real big question mark if they want to do that. But if Rondo goes, if all of a sudden Cousins is gone, Van Vliet is a guy that would fit in really, really well alongside Drew Holiday. Other names to keep in mind with certain things, you got Patrick McCaw, 
who likely is going to end up back with the Warriors, but he's six foot seven. He's not a great shooter. Um, sub 30% from three, I think. But size alone makes him interesting, and we know the Pelicans want to add more length and height on the wing and in the backcourt. So a name to kind of keep an eye on. You've got Jose Calderon on a vet minimum deal. Doesn't do it defensively, but can still shoot threes a little bit, can dish a little bit. Also, I look like him, so maybe that would be kind of fun to have on here. That would be a good one. By the way, the, the Jose Calderon thing came from Anthony Davis while courtside before a game one time during warm-ups. Uh, he kind of made eye contact with me, stared at me, looked at his trainer, goes, that guy looks like Calderon. And that was how that started, which is an interesting and kind of cool story. I told him I was there in disguise to try and scout him for the upcoming game when Calderon was still on the Mavs. Didn't really pay attention to me when I said that and just went about warming up for the game. Probably the correct choice. Another guy that's going to take maybe the whole mid-level exception as I go through my lames on the list here is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Defense, not so great. You know, he's, again, undersized for what the Pelicans maybe want to do. He's a little bit more pricey for everything. And if you're going to play him at that small forward position, you got each one more. I don't think you need to necessarily get kind of the same type of player. But he did shoot 38.3% from deep. Um, so those are guys that can kind of fit that role a little bit. Another one that's really interesting, and we don't know what the hell is going to happen here, is Isaiah Thomas. This is a guy who almost averaged 30 points per game two seasons ago for the Boston Celtics, then should not have played on that hurt hip uh, this past season after the Kyrie Irving trade that sent him to the Cavaliers, and then they traded him to the Los Angeles Lakers. But hey, you want a guy that can lead your second unit and maybe light up teams if he comes back healthy? You can get him for the biannual or even part of the mid-level exception or even, hell, the full mid-level exception. If he come ba comes back and does everything he's capable of doing, that could be an absolute steal for the team. So let's look at kind of wing-ish guys that really more fit in the backcourt than on the wing, I think, at times. Um, and we'll mention two names here before going into the actual wings. Corey Brewer, Aaron Aflalo, and Avery Bradley. Kind of, you know, with Brewer and Bradley, it's defense and three-point shooting. I don't think Bradley's as good as people have been making him out to be over the past couple of years. But, hey, there's some depth. It could really help the Pelicans. Again, for wing players, they're still a little bit undersized for things, so I don't know if that's necessarily the direction the Pelicans want to go with it. But those are obviously names that are going to be in play if they don't get overpaid. And, again, this is going to be a weird market, and that mid-level exception – might be a way to get a very good player here because it is a depressed free agent market. So that's why I'm against a signing trade because it's rather important for the Pelicans to keep that whole thing and maybe try and avoid hard capping themselves in the process. So whoever the Pelicans end up signing, you know we're going to cover it over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So make sure you bookmark that page to get on there right away when any news breaks because we will have a breakdown of that player, how they fit, and how the money works with everything. And speaking of LockedOnPelicans.com, we also have one of our own, Rory Calais, who is the uh, lead guitarist for the indie rock band Vox and the Hound, local music. And guess what? They also provide the music here for Locked On Pelicans, and they've got a show tonight at Three Keys in the Ace Hotel, just a $10 cover, and it's going to be awesome. Vox and the Hound, that's who I'm going to be there going to see. And Kuisiana, another local act, alongside the Heather Gillis Band. It's going to be a lot of fun. Friday night at 10 p.m. at the Three Keys in the Ace Hotel. Make sure you get there. We'll have some fun talking Pelicans because I'm going to be enjoying the local music. You always want to get out and support that. 
All right, the wings, what you all want to know. And look, there's actually kind of a good bit of depth out here. And maybe a number of guys the Pelicans could go out and get to try and help them. We're going to start with the one they've already maybe been linked to per Jordan Schultz with Yahoo. And that's Rodney Hood. Good size at 6'8", and Hood looked like a really good player in Utah, was a good three-point shooter, and made you think he could be a catch-and-shoot guy, spacing the court for bigs. Then he went to the Cavaliers, and we kind of really learned he needs to have the ball in his hands to stay in a rhythm, and there's a reason he fell out of their playoff rotation. He was so bad for them. So you look at him as more of a fringe starter bench score than a guy who you really want maybe running alongside Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins. And don't give me that thing about, well, he's playing with Davis and Cousins. He'll have wide open looks. He was playing with goddamn LeBron James, and he still couldn't get it done. So I don't know if he's really going to get it done here. And this is likely going to take, at minimum, the full mid-level exception to sign him. He is a restricted free agent too. So Cleveland couldn't match anything, but that would add to their already massive tax bill. So, you know, if you want positives with him, yeah, he looked like he could be a near six man of the year, that go-to score off the bench. But again, fit and cost maybe mean that he won't be able to come here. But yeah, there's no reason the Pelicans at least shouldn't look at him. But his attitude issues, he refused to go back in the game in the fourth quarter. That also led to kind of a benching and not playing anymore. All those are problems that I don't know if you really want to add to this team. The other name that's going to be out there that's likely going to take the full mid-level exception or pretty close to it to sign is Rudy Gay. He opted out of his contract with the Spurs for about $8.5 million, so he's going to be looking for that or so. This is an interesting case because he's a scorer at the small forward position, not the best defender, but he's a guy who can put up buckets and shoot well for you. You know, he recovered well from the Achilles injury he had, similar one to uh, DeMarcus Cousins, averaged 11.5 points per game last year. Five rebounds. He's adequate, though, at best from the three-point line. So, you know, he's going to be looking for the full MLE over three years. You would think that puts the Pelicans in a bit of a bind in the future. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be tradable on that. But again, if you want at least better size and length, yeah, he's a fit. I just don't know if he fits defensively. I think they want to get a guy in there who can guard some of those bigger wings, not have the undersized each one more doing that. Yeah, Rudy Gay's got height. But is he really that much of a better defender? That's the big question. But again, the Pelicans are going to look at all wings to at least add some depth there. And maybe if you can combine one of these offensive wings with Solomon Hill, you have a really good player. But unfortunately, that's not the case. There's another name out there that I think people are kind of intrigued by. And it's maybe a bit of a flyer, kind of similar to Alex Len. It, the front court, what the Pelicans might look at for this guy. And this might be the case around the league. And we don't really know what's going to happen with him yet. And of course, I'm talking about Mario um, Hazonja out of Orlando. 6'8", small forward. Again, he's been in the league for a little while now. He's a decent enough player, but hasn't really shown anything that well. 9.6 points per game last season, 3.7 rebounds. Shot um, 33.7% from deep, so not great, but adequate. Um, not the most efficient guy, but again, you know, he's a decent enough defender. He's got good enough athleticism. Might be a good buy low candidate, but because of his age, he might get overpaid based on potential alone. So that definitely could be a problem. 
Some other names to look at here, obviously Will Barton. We know all about him. $3.5 million last year. He's a known Pelicans killer. He's a good defender. Not good defender. He's, again, adequate, decent enough defender. I promise you I've got one good defender at the small forward position on this list. Um, and he, you know, has killed the Pelicans, known Pelican killer, as I've said like four times right now. And he's a guy the Pelicans would like to have. You look at him maybe as more of that go-to bench score in the mold of a Rodney Hood. You don't need to get a ton of offense out of the small forward position, but you need to get some. You need to try and get around 10 to 12 points per game, which is nothing the guys on these team right now are really capable of doing it. You know, Barton certainly can get that for you. Can you also get run him with the second unit too? He can kind of play a dual role there. So I think there's a fit there. That's a guy, obviously, that would be getting a pay raise. That's 15 more million per year, kind or total, over three years. So if you offer him that full MLE and he you do that right at the start of free agency... And then, you know, either he can try and wait and get a bigger payday or he can take the burden hand in front of him. That might be the way you go about doing it. You want the defensive guy here, and I don't know how much there's a fit here, but certainly I think you could get him on the biannual or a minimum deal or even just a low-level part of the mid-level exception, and that's Luke Baamute. And... He's a good defender. He's a key piece for Houston. They certainly are going to make every effort to keep him. It was kind of a surprise when they signed him for so cheap last season. So he'd like maybe some more money. He's been in the league for a while now and hasn't ever really had that big payday. Does $4 million get it done? Does 3.3 with the mid-level? Maybe. Those are kind of big questions here for him, but certainly an attainable guy. My question with him is what does he give you that Hill doesn't? Maybe a little bit better offense than Solomon Hill, but at the same point, there's no real reason to pay um, for kind of similar-ish players at the same position if they're not going to give you a whole lot more. Trevor Ariza, another wing from Houston, certainly would be a good name. He's at minimum going to get that eight, uh, a full mid-level exception deal, if not more. Houston's likely maybe going to overspend to bring him back. You know, he's older. He's 32. He's been in the league for quite a while now. We know him from when he was here before. He's beloved in L.A. too as a 3 and D player, though he was never really a consistent three-point shooter here in New Orleans. Maybe that's changed with time. So this is a guy you'd really like to have here. But most teams would really, really like to have him. So that becomes kind of the problem. You know, he's an interesting case in free agency of uh, scarcity at position. So Pels could make a run at him, but a lot of other teams might also overpay him because of that, which likely is going to mean the Pelicans miss out. So two other names to keep an eye on that also make sense for the Pelicans on the wing, and that's Doug McDermott. He shoots lights out kind of, and that's really it. But there's value to be had in simply being a shooter. And I think a lot of teams might see that. There's potential. The Pelicans kind of go after him as well. We'll see. Um, and then James Ennis out of Memphis, who was here before New Orleans, before signing, kind of getting stolen out from under their noses. He's a good backup at that position, kind of a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to that role too. So I think that's a guy you might see the Pelicans try and bring back to New Orleans. And I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, ultimately, well, there's one more name I do want to mention, and that's, um, I should have mentioned him in the beginning, and that's Jeremy Grant, the 6'8 kind of wing power forward from the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's another guy who's kind of very versatile, can guard one through five. They really like him, which probably means he's not going anywhere. He's their second best big behind Steven Adams, but that's a name to keep on the Pelicans' radar as well because of the positional versatility, which they do really like. So we'll see how it goes once free agency starts, but the Pelicans are in a bit of a weird spot because 
They do need to wait and figure this out with DeMarcus Cousins first. If he signs her near max goodbye, full mid-level exception, hello, taxpayer mid-level exception at best, and then that still creates other issues. So they do not have a lot of money to spend right now, and even giving Cousins anything above $26 million a year puts them in a near hard cap situation. So maybe look for this team first to try and offload some money, maybe move Solomon Hill or Alexia Jensen's contract along with a future first-round pick to get that money off of the books and keep some flexibility here. That's a way you can re-sign Cousins, Rondo, and still have the mid-level exception available without getting into deep luxury tax, tax apron territory, and potentially hard capping yourself, which could be a problem. So we'll see what's going on when free agency starts Saturday night. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. That's going to do it for this edition or this week worth of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. I hope we answered everything you might want to know when it comes to the Pelicans in free agency, their salary cap situation, why they really shouldn't engage in a sign and trade. Of course, dependent on a player being you know listed in there. If you can get LeBron James in a sign and trade for DeMarcus Cousins, you absolutely do it. But you still got to be careful when it comes to some of these things. So I'm not in favor of that. And then finally today, going over all all the names you might think they want to know. So again, backcourt, frontcourt, and wings. They'll be active, particularly in the wings area, but also the backcourt area. But depending on what happens with Cousins, they might want to add a little bit more depth up front too. So it's likely not going to be very active for New Orleans in the beginning, Rondo and Cousins being the two priorities there. But on the back half of free agency, when some guys are starting to get frozen out and the Pelicans have some more money available, that's where you might see them make some moves, get some very good value signings. However it goes down, I'll of course be here to break it all down for you to let you know about the newest Pelicans once those are announced here on Locked On Pelicans, and I cannot wait. This is a very fun time, and let's see if the Pelicans can turn themselves into much more of a contender than they already are. So again, thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all next week. <laughs>